episode of Mediums in Action with me, Martin Lip Wilson, and my good friend and expert medium Ian Doherty. Good morning, everybody. I am I am fine. I hope you I hope you are too, Martin. Uh, it's been a it's been a busy time for me uh, getting my uh, science uh, sort of research done and looking into uh, looking into that and getting outside in this lovely weather. It's been it's been nice rather than being cooped up in front of the PC screen all the time. As you know, because I do mindfulness, I, I always think when, when it's sunny and you can get yourself out there, as long as you obviously don't suffer too much with uh, hay fever, then get yourself out there, go for a walk, clear the mind, and it, and it does wonders, absolutely wonders. It does, it does. Excellent. We're, we're doing a special uh, edition of, of the show today where we will be answering your questions that you've sent in to us through our Facebook page. Believe me, the questions are... are very, very detailed, very, very interesting. So it'll make for a good show. And uh, Ian, we, the first question, do you, do you want to read it out? And let, let's tackle the first question, shall we? Yeah, um, the, the first question is, uh, when someone is reincarnated, are we still able to contact them? Uh, and does a part of them remain in the spirit side and will always be there? You know, and how can we sense them? Um, so, so the suggestion is, so she wants to know if, if somebody's reincarnated, can we still contact them in the spirit world? Yes, and are we aware of them here, I think. Okay, so what, what's your feelings about it? Personally, uh, I tend to err on the fact that through my understanding, uh, we're talking through my guides and reading books and talking to mediums like that, like your fair self. I tend to look at it as being a uh, as being a group uh, entity where there may be, say, 30, 30 souls that are uh, wishing to learn various lessons, to teach, to learn. Uh, one person might be in one lifetime, if you believe in reincarnation, of course, uh, might be in one point, they might be your your mother in one life, they're your sister in another life, uh, they're your brother or your son in, uh, you call it, subsequent. Now, uh, it generally, to me, seems to be of a uh, um, generation, which is, uh, if we look at it, it's, about, uh, it's not easy just to say a 30-year span. So if we look at grandfather, parent and sibling, then that gives us the uh, uh, generations. And through my sort of knowledge base and talking, as I said, to the uh, guides, it's when all parties are back in the in the spirit world, they have a talk about, well, did this work well or this didn't quite happen, I didn't achieve this, I was happy with that, and we've all learned learned something. And then there's that free will choice then to say, okay, should we have a little bit of a college shuffle and we'll go down and learn it that way. So from my point of view, I don't feel that, for instance, granddad has been, say, passed away for 25 years and then suddenly he's a um, gentleman working down in the local shop where you know because i would have thought that the soul of each person would have recognized the other so i don't feel it comes into contact so so your belief is is that once all of you have died you kind of talk about the lessons learned and then you discuss right okay should we go back and let's learn these lessons so it's a very sort of buddha uh, buddhist uh hinduist sort of belief isn't it that that, that you kind of come back to learn lessons through life and that life is as we see it is is about achieving attainment about about reaching a certain sense of of bliss or uh, nirvana it's interesting because my my point of view is i've been very very skeptical of reincarnation i've uh, researched uh, and investigated a couple of uh, reincarnation claims, and, and each one kind of fell by the wayside. But two experiences uh, really suggest to me that something could be happening. Well, I have a good friend who is uh, quite skeptical, shall I say, and this really changed his mind about reincarnation. But what happened was, uh, when his son was about two, three, uh, his son said to him, why is my sister not my mother? And he said, oh, the reason why is because she's your sister and you are the children of uh, of me and your mother. He said, no, no. In the past life, when we lived in India, she was my mother. He said, what are you talking oh, about? Wow. He said, what are you talking about? You've not lived in India. Why are you talking about India? Because grandma was my sister. I was a girl and, and my sister was my mother and she died. My friend was absolutely, his mind was absolutely blown. He couldn't work this out. And for the next two, three years, there was various incidences where the son would talk about his life, about how his sister was his mother and and the life that they would do, where they would work, they'd work on this high mountain. It was absolutely surreal. And he really couldn't understand why a young child who had no experience of India, hadn't seen it on television, all he'd seen is Teletubbies and things like that, yeah. had suddenly made this 
story that his grandma was a sis- was originally his sister and, it- and his sister was originally his mum. Again, is-, is that some form of evidence? And, and there's countless stories like that, isn't there? Ian? Oh, there is. There's uh, a book, uh, 100 Cases Suggestive of Reincarnation. There was one, there was one story of a uh, gentleman who was uh, shot in a botched robbery the uh, his family they uh, had a, another child and uh, had a birthmark in exactly the same place as the gentleman was shot and as he got to about I think six or seven years of age he was talking about his other family uh, you know being a Hindu and having a strong belief in that you know they uh, they took him to the house or rather he took them to the to the house he named everybody and he says there's that is my wife that's my mum and they take it on board so they actually shared that child between families and I think I think it's fascinating to be honest that kind of answers that question that your grandparent or your loved one is not going to reincarnate while ever you are alive it's there's always some sort of cycle happening in the background that, yes. and, and that's your sort of belief there so it is yes so uh, i suppose that kind of explains that situation because uh, the question she asks are, are you able to sense them if they're being reincarnated and obviously that's the reason why there's another question here. I've got a question from somebody. Thank you for sending it in. I was told that the longer a loved one has been in spirit, the less likely they are to make contact through a medium. Is this true? Yeah, sorry, Martin. What is uh, what is your take on that? It's kind of nonsense, really, because I, through the years, I've, I've known friends who are mediums who've brought through loved ones within sort of two hours of somebody passing away. I've also known people, uh, and, and myself included, where we've brought through grandparents or we've brought through long-lost uncles that weren't even expected to come through. And I, I think there's a whole bigger picture here is I often feel that the people who do come through with a message or or evidence come through because there's a bigger picture happening that maybe we shouldn't have that message from that person uh, straight away and and sometimes people who are looking for a message from that person will go to several different readers or several different spiritualist churches looking for that person but there's a good reason why that person's not coming through my yourself i uh, talked fairly recently with uh, one of my friends and i was talking to her about her great-grandmother who died in uh, the 1800s you know and uh, she was very victorian in a garb and everything and i thought myself i was seeing one of her guides but uh, you know it, it is it is there and uh, i've talked to people who haven't been laid to uh, rest yet but i do feel it has a little bit of a background where you touched upon, touched upon yourself i just feel it's having the right medium in the right time for that person you know like like attracts like you know so yeah. it could be that that person's waiting to talk to a particular medium him or her in order there but i think it's when the your time's right when there needs to be something to be said for as you say that uh, that uh, bigger picture think of it about having a grand parent who was fantastic on finances and you're having a problem and they will come through and tell you how to deal with it or give you some guidance on that and it could be something as simple and and again depending on what your need is something very very deep i I always remember i I gave a reading and and i've touched upon this reading before where it was actually the spirit of a person who lived in the next door farm to the person i was giving the reading and he was telling me how bad this uh, the person I was giving the reading to, how bad his father was at actually farming. And, and he remembers standing there watching this tractor back onto him and, and him running down the field. And the guy I was giving the reading to, he said, he said, how do you know all this stuff? I said, well, I'm in touch with spirit. And this gentleman, I named him, Alfred Nicholson, was stood in the field opposite watching your dad being an absolute terrible farmer. He said, well, why isn't my dad coming through? And I said, I just feel that it's too soon. And and in fact, Spirit did say it's too soon. It will bring hurt on both sides. So I think sometimes we can be looking for that message. We can be looking for some sort of evidence that your parents or your loved one has passed over. But sometimes, you know, the truth hurts, and I think the truth would hurt in this in, in this uh, scenario. Yeah, perhaps, you know, the emotions running too high, you know, perhaps spirit go through a bit of a grieving uh, uh, process, the same as we do. I, I think that as well. I, I think there must be some form of adjustment, I think I want to call yeah, it. Yeah, adjustment's uh, a good word. Kind of feel, I feel that there is that adjustment. And, and sometimes, I, in fact, this is another question that's been raised uh, in the past to me as a medium, is how long does it take us to get to the spirit world? Where, I, again, as I say, I have had uh, friends who've given 
uh, readings two hours after somebody's passed away to somebody yep. in a spiritualist yep. church, and and that must seem pretty quick. But uh, I don't know. It's 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 a, it's a strange thing. Maybe it's quicker for some people. Maybe some people don't accept it as quickly as possible, uh, yes. as quickly as some others. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe it's like that. Okay. Um, a question for a question for you then, Martin. Okay. This was sent in by your gentleman, so thank you. How many different types of medium are there, and how do we know which true, which type we truly are? Wow, that's an interesting one. You can go on to Google or wherever, and you can pick out you know, the old types, the clairvoyance, the clairaudient, the clairsmellient. <laughs> <No. laughs> There's all the different types of mediumship, and you can go online and you can see all the different versions of, of what you are. But generally speaking, when I work with people, especially people who have not kind of fully opened up yet but they often begin and this is just based on my experience but they often begin on like a sympathetic level so they might walk into a room and feel that this room's not makes them feel sad or it might make them feel happy or it might so there's like a sympathetic level right at the beginning and then you might start to hear voices you might start to see people and then it develops from there and, and there are multiple levels and there are particular segments but from my point of view i think it's a question of development you you talk about uh, in the question you say how do we know which we truly are i think it's a question of that we could be all of them but whatever resonates with you the best will be your strongest path i think and ian is a very very good communicator and worked in communications and and i think that's why he's very good at how he works how would you describe your senses Um, well uh it's a it's a multiple facet you know i i feel because we're a very complicated uh we are all complicated people you know we've had a lot of life makeup you know we've uh, we've been through you know some terrible times some brilliant times and that makes us in you know makes us more uh sensitive to the as martin was saying you know we uh, we just become more aware of what is with us every medium has that basic sense of i'm feeling something's not quite right or it feels sad it feels happy you know everybody has in that way which is what people call uh clairsentience sensing yeah being being aware of what is going on but uh there's some mediums are able to see you know the image of a of a person that's passed over in their mind's eye or in a physical physical uh representation of that person but pushed out from the medium's mind so it's not physical it's still in a clairvoyant way but it's like watching a uh, you know the hand solo or whatever where there's the a hologram, hologram yeah. you know yeah. what i mean but it's still linked to the brain because nobody else around will be able to necessarily see it it's understanding how you work checking things testing things trying to work on just hearing only not what you see there's loads and loads of things but i feel people wear badges you know oh i'm a clairvoyant i'm a psychic medium and this and that so it's a lot to do with stereotyping or do you call it labeling but i do feel that when you look at the whole uh, the whole bigger picture we all have facets of everything because the brain when you look at the way that the brain is able to interpret it, to interpret information through the thalamus uh, it can pick up pictures uh, you're looking at hearing smell touch through the, your skin everything so we therefore are all capable of everything hearing seeing feeling smelling the lot so we're a facet of everything i, I totally agree and, and that's why i i'm always very hesitant to say there's clairvoyance there's clairaudience there's clairsentience because for me i, I and again going back to the brain as an organ and us as a body is we we actually have 19 different senses we have sense uh, of direction we have a sense of balance and therefore how can we say oh i'm just clairvoyant when actually at that time you might feel a little bit dizzy you might feel a bit sad you might be able to smell some flowers so there, straight away, you've kind of gone through four or five different senses in, in one go. Yeah, so, you're right. I mean, sorry, Martin. There's people say to me say to me when I'm teaching them or helping them to, not teach them, helping them to understand how they, uh, how they work, oh, I'm, I'm sensing green eyes. And they're thinking, well, do green eyes feel different from brown eyes? They are seeing the green eye, but they think I'm only feeling. So again, it's a, it's a cross modality between the hearing and the vision that comes in the same way. And they just look at the one that they're using the most. I think also as well is if anybody's listening to this that is developing as a medium, there's a number of things to take into consideration is don't overanalyze as well. 
because yep. often you can you can fall off the track because you get that I like to call it kind of a pure stream of mediumship. And then what happens is you fall off the track by adding detail that isn't there or misinterpreting what is around you. So so just be aware of that, really, is that when you do go into a room or you're giving a reading, that you are aware of the information that is uh, mediumship and isn't subliminal messages from around you. Yeah, indeed. That's a very good thing there because you can just take it on board, can't you? Absolutely, absolutely. I've got a question here actually for you, Ian. Um, yep. Again, this has been sent in, and it touches on so again something that's uh, quite big for you, and and you've done uh, dream interpretation in the past. Uh, yeah. the, the question is: Are there such things as signs from loved ones, and what is the significance of dreams, such as the possibility of visitation dreams? Um, and now this is a very uh, deep sort of question, to be honest, because everybody who's who's lost somebody that that they love want to have that, you know, want to talk to them, want to see them one more time. The fact is, and this now this is generally towards, you know, not long after a person's passed, the mind is just all over the place. You know, it's thinking of that person thought after thought after thought. And the mind is just too busy. So you will just not get anything. Even if you are a medium, there's somebody behind you saying, I'm here. I haven't gone anywhere. I still love you. You won't hear them because the mind's too uh, too busy. So when you're fast out, you know, the conscious mind is getting on, you know, is sort of, um, is give way a little bit to the subconscious where, you know, the brain uh, reparation is taking place. And of course, the conscious mind is not overthinking. So therefore, anything that comes through in the same way as mediumship is inferred onto the onto the mind of the uh, of the uh, of the of the medium, it is through suggestion. So therefore, thoughts are suggested into the your mind. And what you've got to bear in mind is how they feel, you know, so I would recommend anybody take a dream, get a, get a dream diary, you know, because it could be that you're merely feeling your worst fears, your hurt, you know, and your body is trying to say, look, stop suppressing these feelings, let them out. So that is one element. And the purer element is when you find yourself, normally it will be in somewhere that you feel safe, your parents' front room. Yeah, somewhere along those lines where you feel safe and then that loved one who's passed will walk in and you feel safe and you'll be able to talk in a very, very real way. And it feels so vibrant, so real that even if you sleep, you know, like a like a your brick and you, you will wake up and you'll have that that memory there. That is the main difference when the spirit contact, you wake up and you know it's there because you recollect it to the conscious mind, whereas if it's your your sort of heart, for want of a better way of putting it over, that is trying to ease your tensions through uh, letting feelings out, then you don't recall them the next day. That is the easiest way of putting it over. I think uh, we should do a, uh, should actually do a podcast on uh, on dreams, and uh, maybe we, we do a special episode. Um, yeah, because um, from my perspective with dreams, is I, I've always suffered with night terrors, and yeah. um, and these are kind of holographic projections that appear uh, in your bedroom or wherever you're sleeping. Yeah. But they're um, but they're very real. Oh, incredibly real. I mean, I mean, I've been married 20 years this year and the amount of times I've jumped out of bed to fight a giant rabbit or a skeleton or, <laughs> or something yeah, else it is bizarre. And uh, so it, I think it would actually be good to talk about dreams in the future. From my point of view about the significance of dreams, my interest in ghosts and how ghosts appear to people, I, I've always looked into things like archetypes, which are signs that the brain gives off and they root right back into when we were primitive. Often in dreams, we might see things like a helpful white lady or uh, a female who is is pure, as we now, uh, because of the Victorians, believing that white means purity and that's how white wedding started and then we have the evil black monk we have the black dog these are all ancient symbols to us and, and often that they do appear in dreams as well and we might think a black dog is so important to, to to some major incident coming towards it so i think it would be worth chatting about dreams and, and what both of our ideas are about dreams and how they can be useful as to a medium or or to people at home 
Yeah, I think that's well, because uh, I've helped many people, you know, sort of start that dream diary, points to look out for. Some of them are very obvious, like the uh, number four in a dream. It might not show you as number four, but it will show you as four white cars, four white houses, four white trees. The colour could be any colour, obviously, but it's the fact of four, 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 four. So you note the number four, not the actual object, and it helps you there. And there's things like you'll be, you might find yourself in a side of a building, looking at your picture, and you know, like like some of them have a plaque that is on the bottom of it, telling you who it was, who it was painted by. It would have something on there saying, "Oh, uh, Uncle Uncle Bob's thinking of you." You know, hope you're well, keep uh, keep safe, blah 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 blah. Those are the things that you want to be consciously looking out for and trying to recall as soon as you're you're physically aware or your mind is physically aware that the dream process is taking place. Do you feel that dreams and, and these signs that come through dreams, do you think it's part mixture of our own instinct um, that let's say you're on a, you're going on a train, a long distance train travel or, or, or airplane and then you, you see an airplane crash or something and the next yeah. day you're, you're absolutely very scared that you're traveling on a, on a plane do you think well, some of yes. it's subconscious and then some of it is also spirit-led what, what's, uh, what's your feelings well part of it i think it's consciousness we all you know we're all linked up we talk don't you about the group consciousness you know around the world the universe so i think we tap into uh, tap into that but seeing a uh, airplane crash could be something that we that we feel that the let's say it's a business trip we feel that we're not ready for it or it won't come to anything so we feel as in the airplane crashing instead of saying it's not going to work so it could be something simple as 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 that point of view when i used to be in the your forces and i was uh, i had this dream and i thought myself hang on a minute i'm not in the uh, uk anymore if the terrain had changed and there was a, a military tent, uh, and I saw this bloke coming towards me in all the, uh, to call it, military garb. And I thought, oh, hello, Robbie, he's one of the blokes I work with. And I thought, ah, he's down the Falkland Islands. So I went to work next next day, and they said, oh, um, you're on, you're being sent over on o- overseas. And I said, yes, I know, Falkland Islands, I'm replacing Robbie. How the hell did you know that? So it can it, it can work in that way as well. I bet that was a difficult question to answer, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I just, no, I just said it as it uh, as it was. I said, you know, he said, "How do you uh, how do you know that?" I just say, "I'm psychic and walk off." Boost in the in the your pudding, they can't say, uh, "Oh, okay, you must be to work that out." Yeah, I think some of that question as well is: Are there such things as signs from loved ones? I, I think that's probably physical signs from loved ones. What's your view yeah. about that? There's sometimes there'll be you. You might be in a dream. You might be hearing a uh, recurring song, which was their favourite one. They either had it at that wedding, or they had it at that funeral, or it's something that they always used to have a have a, a giggle at. I think it comes more in that way. You know, signs happen more when you're in a conscious state than they do in a subconscious state. The subconscious, the, you know, when you're fast out, is more about putting over that message, we uh, we uh, love you, you can see me because you are not going to run off and be scared and sort of leg it. Where in the conscious world, you you might be sort of walking, walking along, like I say, Music is played over the radio. It's their favourite song. The next thing that comes on is some is some mention to a funny story that is only related in your mind to them, uh, and then you just might see might see their name popping up absolutely everywhere, uh, whether it's a a poster for a film or whatever. So I feel this feel that the signs from loved ones are more conscious because you may not be looking for them, but you pick them up and then you see them all and you see them everywhere. Where Mark is the waypointers. Whereas dreams are more of telling you something that is very, you know, of this, like there's new work coming in at the end of May. You'll be told that you can yeah. sign with that. I think also as well is I kind of argue that if you are thinking about somebody all the time, of course, then, then therefore you are subconsciously looking for those signs. One thing that I'd, I'm sure other people have done it as well is that when they buy a new car or uh, and suddenly they see their model of car on the road and think, oh, well, I never saw this many cars on before. Um, yes, yes, mm, yes, yes, definitely. So we are subconsciously l- recognising signs that are probably nothing to do with the spirit, but actually it is just our own subconscious remembering that person in the surroundings around you. And, and 
the reason why I, I've looked into this is, is because I do a lot of divination and, and work on a, a symbology sign anyway. From my point of view, I think I do believe that spirit does give you signs and they can be from anything from a hand in a chalkboard, as we discussed last time, yeah. um, to subtleties. And, 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 it, and it is about being aware of the subtleties, I think, the little things that would only you would recognize. I think that's yes. how spirit yeah. works. Is, is Definitely. It? Definitely. Yeah. So rather than listening out for thinking that a song on the radio that happens to be on the car as you just sit down, Maybe it'll it'll appear far far subtle. Maybe the radio, the TV will suddenly switch on by accident, or you think yeah. it's an accident, and suddenly there is there is something happening there. And you say, "Hang on, why did that switch on at that time?" Do you know, they, they look out for things like that. I, I think that's the way to operate, rather than to interpret everything as being some little sign of uh, as being spirit. I always remember the Peter Kay story that uh, about a woman who was telling about her husband's funeral. And she said, as we laid him to rest, she said, I looked up on the hill and a packet of quavers was blowing down the road. She said, that was his favorite crisps. I knew he was with us. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that sums it up, doesn't it? Can anyone become a medium? And the add-on to it is, is meditation the way to become a medium? I am sure you agree with me, and I think we all can be and should be mediums. But I think it's we've all got it in us. It's interesting, certainly through the workshops that we did last year, and we had people from all sorts of backgrounds. We had everybody from, you know, a delivery man from Sheffield to corporate marketing people from London all doing mediumships, walking around the streets of Derbyshire or the street or, or wherever, actually sensing and delivering evidence in general public. All of us can do this. If we can get two people who are highly skeptical, who have come from a background where they have no they knew nothing about mediumship, and by the end of the day they can be walking around giving historical evidence that could be backed up without them even knowing the area or the place they they were taken to, that suggests to me that if if they can do it, anybody on earth can do it. Oh, definitely, yeah. There's, uh, like every walk in life, there's some people are good footballers, some people are absolutely tremendous footballers, and the same with mediumship. I believe more and more, you know, since opening my eyes to science, uh, it comes through the uh, uh, genome of uh, people, you know, so it goes to your to your family, you know, your parents, your grandparents, and I generally put it over as the more people in your family that have either these dreams that can be uh, verified, you know, of things happening, happening uh they're aware of stuff my uh, sister regularly thinks oh I'll, I'll go to the kitchen and have a cup of coffee and the kettle's just boiled so when where spirit's saying to her the kettle's just boiled gonna have a break or was she thinking i'm gonna have a break so they put the kettle on everybody has it but i feel the more uh, that it is in evidence then the stronger medium that you will be and and of course it's it is how much we are open-minded and can we sort of push it you know like i say going through Castleton, and they were giving some really startling evidence. So you're thinking, how do you know that this happened here when there's there's no placards up, and yet they were bang on. And uh, I think yes, everybody everybody can, but to a certain certain degree, in the same way as I used, you know, football. Anybody can play football, so therefore anybody can be a medium. Totally agree with you. And the second part of the question is: meditation the way to become a medium? Well, to me, meditation is a tool of the medium. So I would definitely say that meditation has to be included in your mediumship practice. So whether that's three times a week at 20 minutes at a time, I definitely believe that meditation allows you to calm the mind and it allows you that when you are in a situation where you need to use mediumship, then the meditation practice, whether you do it the mindful way or whether you just do a standard way of sitting there and being quiet and drawing your mind to be as quiet as possible. During mediumship, it allows you to just go into that straight away. You become faster at becoming meditating and calming down the brain waves. What happens, Ian? Can you explain to people 
what happens during meeting, uh, in meditation? As you were saying, Matt, and I was, I was sort of nodding here. I know you can't see me, but I was nodding away thinking, wow, good. It is about calming the mind. Now, yeah, uh, there's four recognised brain waves, you know, where uh, in, a, in a distinct way. Uh, the beta wave uh, is very, very fast. It's when you're doing work, you're interacting, you're doing physical things. The alpha wave is a, uh, is a, a step downward, you know, where it's about 18, about 8 to 15 cycles per second. So it is quite slow, but it does allow for you to talk to somebody whilst hearing spirit and that is the uh, the way that the medium learns because if I'm on a uh, rostrum at a church or a, uh, a small hall and I'm saying oh, I've uh, I've got your dad here his name's Bob he's talking about this and doing that and somebody might ask a uh, question I've got to be able to answer that question so I'm only going down to the alpha wave if you go down further to the theta wave and the delta wave then you are in trance and deep trance. So it doesn't allow you to talk to the person. You don't have uh, effective control over the vocal cords other than through when you're when you're doing trance, which we can which we can talk about at a different different uh, podcast, should I say. By slowing the wave, slowing the frequency wave down, you become, as Martin said, very, 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 very quick. And it happens Auto, in an automatic way spirit always contact the medium it's not the medium saying bob are you there bob is saying hello can you hear me and it's a little while before the medium realizes oh there's somebody definitely there and then your brainwave just slows down so it's almost as if it's been given a little kick or a little sort of flick of a switch and normally you just settle down and all the information comes through in a very very um, valid way it's almost the feeling is that it's, it is like watching everything through your physical eye of going really really slow but your mind is going fast because i've got oh i've got bobby telling me this i wore a blue coat i wore a hat i did this i did that and yet everything else is slow so it's getting into that uh, alpha wave basically i mean we do teach meditation on, on our course and i do recommend that anybody out there there's several resources out there where you can learn very simple uh, mindfulness uh, meditations that last 10 to 15 minutes and uh, just get into that pattern of being able to slow yourself down and kind of pre-think a situation so definitely become uh, involved in meditation I've got a question here for you Ian why is it that some people come late to finding a spiritual gift was it there all along and not being recognised? Um, I do feel it's been there for the for the for the start, really. In the uh, premise of the previous question, everybody can become a uh, a medium. So, by definition, it has to it has to be there. But you just don't know the uh, the bigger picture. We 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 might have to do lots of things first. Like uh, from my point of view, it was definitely there. Me, me, your mum used to tell me I'd be looking around the house when I was a little baby, and I'd be very very quiet and and. And all these as if I'm just taking note of things. Yet I uh, I did 23 years in uh, military uniform and it was into that latter part where it just opened up and I thought to myself, bloody hell, bang, 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 and all this stuff coming, all this information. So I do feel I had to learn to be a person. I had to learn uh, life because how, how am I supposed to rationale with somebody who is who is grieving if I've never been through that situation, you know? And although media uh, spirit are giving you the sort of info, I've still got to build up a feeling empathy of being through similar things so i don't feel it's necessarily late it it is to do with timing but it's the right situation you could be an older soul whereby you have a stronger mediumship ability in order to be putting things over so it's more to do with timing uh, not necessarily is it uh, as it been there it's always been there because you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't have it at the very very start i i always remember a few years ago i came across a fantastic medium I, an absolute incredible medium who had only been working as a platform medium for about six months to a year and he would stand on the platform and the information he gave was sometimes it was so surreal but then it was verified by one of the attendees you he was just blown away i mean i, I saw him at, at probably three or four different venues but one thing that struck me was he came late in life to doing the mediumship, but he didn't have any sense of responsibility or any empathy. So the readings he gave were very, very brutally honest. And, and I think that in turn was his downfall. And, and, the, and the downfall was people didn't rebook him, not because he wasn't very accurate, because he was incredibly accurate. 
But what the issue was, was the way in how he delivered the information. And I felt that, yes, you know, he'd kind of rediscovered his spiritual path and, and his spiritual gift, but he hadn't learned enough in life to realize that you couldn't suddenly say, I'm seeing somebody here and they have been killed in the car crash or something like that. You know, there's ways and means of delivering that information. Uh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Uh, so I, I think it's one of those things that, yes, people sometimes find uh, find their spiritual gift later on in life. And I think there's a number of things happening here. Firstly, it's the spiritual reason. Secondly, it could be financial reason that people are becoming retired or maybe they're at a stage in their life where they can pursue certain hobbies and uh, and spiritualism or mediumship is often a hobby that people pursue. Uh, another feeling that I'd like to say is I, I always remember when I used to go to my grandma's house, she never ever went to church, but yet on every wall there was a picture of Jesus or a cross. And it's because as she was getting older, she said I wanted to, she wanted to hedge her bets that she went, <laughs> she, she went to heaven. <laughs> So I think as you get older, there is a bigger increase in whether there is an afterlife and whether we do continue this, uh, yeah, do yeah. continue in some form of intelligent uh, yeah, incarnation. Definitely. definitely. Um, a question for you then, Martin. This was also this was sent in by a young lady, I believe. How come, as a child, you can see spirits and talk with them, but as you grow older, the ability disappears? Yeah, it's a strange one because my, my first feelings is it's a little bit of a misconception. I always hear why do children see ghosts why do dogs and cats see ghosts how can dogs and cats see ghosts and my dog's always staring at the corner or, or stuff like that yeah yeah it happens regular yeah oh my, my, my cat's done that my feeling is is children and dogs and cats or any particular animal are like all of us some of us are as sensitive as a brick or closed down others are very open and very sensitive we've talked about reincarnation earlier in the program where one child could recount their memories in India in a previous life where you talk to another child and they would have no idea what you're talking about. So so we can't say that why do we lose this gift from childhood? It's just how things happen. And I think from my point of view, when we're younger and certainly from from experience that one of my children was very highly sensitive when he was younger and he saw numerous things that he recounted to, to me. He didn't know what my involvement was in uh, in the paranormal, but he saw things we just said, well, maybe, you know, we'll try to rule it out because we didn't want him to have nightmares. But ha- as he's got older and, and he's now 12 years old, he's now into programming, he's now an atheist, uh, he's now... His whole spiritual outlook is is very, very much changed. We've not enforced that, but it comes back to our previous question that his spiritual path, his life path, may be that, you know, later on in life he rediscovers that he was sensitive and psychic, but that's his path to tread. So, So I would say that, you know, not every child is psychic, not every dog or cat or animal is psychic. It's just one of those things, and the reason for why we lose it is multiple reasons. Why do we lose interest in certain television programs? Why do we lose interest in the football team? Yeah, you know, well, the only thing I could add to that is society saying you're not allowed to talk to dead people. It shouldn't be done. It can't be doing this. And so people feel a little bit ridiculed, particularly children, younger children. If they do mention something, then they all get laughed at and, and called weird and all of these things. So they tend to be closed up uh, or to back away from it all and and that can change and of course there's the functionality of of the your brain you know obviously a uh, your brain is still sort of growing developing getting all the functionality as we uh, as we get older that could play a part in it as well yeah i think i think peer pressure is one of those things as well where you've been constantly told that you're not seeing something uh, and and therefore you you don't see you see it no more I, I i know there was experiments in the 60s where children were brought up that they were told that green is the color red and red is the color green and uh so you know it had certain effects on people's lives as they grew up so yeah. whatever you are told from a young age kind of sinks in after a while. It does. That's possibly the reason there. But um, it is interesting. There's, again, there's a lot of evidence that dogs and, animal, uh, dogs and animals and, and, uh, and children could all be sensing this morphic resonance, this sort of uh, consciousness that spreads throughout the world 
where where we all link together and there's more and more evidence that that we are linked in some way you could say it's psychic ability but it could be mediumship and also on a universal point of view that that, yeah. that maybe on a universal point of view that that there is a universal consciousness so Maybe sometimes we, um, I don't know, disengage from the universe and, and tread our own path, find out who we are personally, and then when we are comfortable with it ourselves, we come back on our spiritual path. Yeah, I think that's a very good uh, way of putting it over. Now, the last question, Martin, this was sent in by a, uh, by a gentleman in a paranormal field. How come on ghost hunts, lots of neg- negative activity, oblique, demonic entities, does this happen in the home as well? I, I think there's often a, a misconstruing of, um, of exactly what kind of an, uh, activity people experience on ghost hunts. So obviously people go to haunted jails, haunted castles, and, uh, and they presume that any activity that takes place is in some form negative activity. We, we've all had these incidences where you go to a place and you say, oh, there's an evil jailer. The jailer's always evil, but yeah, hang on a minute. His job was to keep the bad guys in. So why is he Why is yeah. he the evil jailer? I think I've been to God knows how many haunted jails across Britain from London all the way up to Inverary in Scotland, and everyone's got an evil jailer. I feel, <laughs> sorry, I, I feel sorry for the jailer because he, he, he went for the job like anybody else. And yeah. what did he have to do? He had to lock everybody up. Surely not every single one was uh, a rapist and a murderer <laughs> because there must have been a lot of rapists and murdering j- jailers up and down the country. Well, that's yet, it. You don't, yeah, you don't say the evil hangman, do you? Well, this is it. Yeah, again, a hangman, uh, the hangman job was, again, you was frowned upon by society. Again, it comes back to these archetypes where um, it kind of comes down the line that we presume that these archetypes that a jailer was actually taking uh, advantage of of various situations and that's certainly come up by numerous people that yeah. i've worked with over the years so in regards to negative energy happening at, at venues again we've touched on it before that it often it can be a misunderstanding from the people who are witnessing the activity that something being moved or something being banged is actually negative energy but maybe it's just somebody saying Hello, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you're ignoring me, <laughs> do you know? Yeah. Or, or stop swearing at me, do you know? Have some respect for me, do you know? And yeah, um, very much. Because that's something I've never, I, I've, I've never ever uh, done, and, and I find it incredibly disrespect, disrespectful is when yeah. people are swearing at ghosts or spirits. Yeah. And, uh, See me, and I think, like I said, there were there were people once. They're the soul within a person. So I, uh, I'm like you. I feel it's very uh, condescending and in bad taste. Before we move on to the demons, but yeah. what's your what's your feelings about negative energy at venues? Uh, Negative energy. I felt, uh, you know, um, uh, a little bit of sort of, oh, I don't, I, you don't like this, or it's, it's very, very strong energy. And don't necessarily see it as being what you call it negative. But you know, as working with you, Matt, and I seem to have a little bit of a blanket around me when it comes to this type of thing, where I'm not overly aware of it. Not because I'm not looking for it, but I just don't see it all the uh, all the time. A better way of putting it over. Um, I was called round to help this man. It's me and one of my friends. There was the gentleman. Uh, and his partner and she was also psychic and it turns up that this bloke was saying oh look there he is there's this evil man that's coming down was coming down the stairs and he he's doing all of this uh, and he was really scared you know and this bloke didn't know what to do he says it follows me work in the car it comes home with me in the car i'm doing all of the, all of this and none of us could see this person so you know, we were talking to our guys and we and we put it over. Um, the gentleman used to be funny enough a jailer. He used to work as a work as a prison guard, um, and we put it over with having all that negativity from people. And if, you know, I hate being here. Why? Why am I here? It's not fair. I want to be outside. I want to be free. Uh, all that negative thoughts was sort of put over to him. It's in his own energy field, and therefore it's bound to be in his car because it's acting as a reservoir for it. So he's coming home and he's feeling it there because it's with him and not with the house and once we put over over there and say well perhaps you need to you need to talk more you need to give give yourself a break or perhaps if you can and you're able to change your change your job and what and what he did walked out of his job he's still with his partner walked out of the job and he's fine he doesn't got anything now so you could say it's that as well you know the negativity from living people and not necessarily as a negative entity I think that you've raised two important issues there. Is firstly, what is negative energy? 
we are going to a haunted location or we're going to somebody who believes that they are haunted by somebody, um, that person will have died. And that person will have experienced various incidents through their life. Often when we go through what a spirit's life is there or why the reason that they're there, they, they've gone through various things in their life. That will include births and deaths and marriages and everything else. And often I think people will only remember the negative things and think, oh, right, yeah, their life was about that. They died here or they was jailed here and it was so bad and it was awful. What negative, horrible energy. Depends on what you class as negative energy. And then the second question is, is the alleged occult activity that's Mm -hmm. allegedly taken place, that there's places that are apparently uh, haunted by demons which just beggars belief, to be honest. And yeah, coming from a background, yeah, I mean, coming from a background that is part inspired by magical belief and and uh, research uh, through ceremonial magic, and I find it incredibly difficult that all these haunted locations here and there. The, I mean, if you take all the historical venues, and let's say 0.5 percent of those venues are open for ghost hunting companies or for investigation. Yeah. And then we're to say that those some of those venues have actually got demons reside, residing in them. I think it's such a nonsense. I really it do. It is. I, it comes back to what you were saying, that people's outlook and misconstruing what's actually there and believing it to be something that it isn't. I honestly believe that I'm backing this up with 25 years of paranormal investigation behind the scenes i think i've only investigated one or two demonic cases and each time i think apart from one i actually thought it was uh, an actual demon i don't think any of the venues i've ever visited uh, across the country including Worcester mansion fort horstead you name it i've ever been haunted by demons it's just what either the venue themselves have put across or actually been missing uh, misconstrued by a medium yeah definitely because i i do feel the medium's role there you know if they're saying oh there's a there's a man coming towards you he's got a big knife he's going to kill everybody people panic because they believe the medium because that's his role there or her role there but like i say uh fort horstead has a uh, demon allegedly of course but i've been in that area and i felt ever so calm and i thought to myself i can't i can't see it or feel it so and and yeah people are saying things oh there's black masses crawling up the walls and i'm thinking are they seeing the same thing as me what the hell's going on and i question my yourself am i am i open to it am i close to it does it there but i just i just put it over people you know literally want uh, to be scared you know they go on a ghost hunt or i uh, and they see it as a bit of a fun ride you know alton towers i want to be scared i want to be frightened it could be playing on that side of things as well my, my, my sort of point of view is, is negativity attracts negativity as well and, and yeah, often yeah often the people i've seen who <laughs> do claim that there are demons at, at various haunted locations have had very negative things happening in their life it, it's kind of a transference of uh, life experience into magical thinking and when I mean magical thinking, I mean thinking somehow they, they're manifesting their evil, but showing it as something that they can battle. It's, yes. it's a very psychological yeah. thing happening here. The question, really, are houses battling demons and negative energy and that sort of thing? It all comes down to interpretation of negative energy uh, or negative activity. Is a chair moving? Is that negative? Or is that something trying to give you a sign? It goes back to what we were talking about before. Uh, And and also as well is uh, this misunderstanding of what a demon is. And, And I've talked about it before, that demon, if we go back to the ancient Greek, is a, a demon was a familiar in a way. It was a helpful spirit not what we presume it is now. I tell going just going on the cut on the back of what you were saying uh, previous, I've been to people's houses where they said, oh yeah, loads of things happen. And I do feel that we give off a psychic energy that can cause things to happen. And and they say, yes, it's something not right. So I'll, I'll turn to them and say, look, you've been having a lot of arguments. I said, I said, I'm not asking what for, whether it's money, uh, whether it's children, whatever. And they said, yes, I said, that's your problem. You know, you're creating a negative thingy there can cause something to happen and you 
and they feel, oh, there must be something negative. But we have to take on board that at times we can cause things to move or bang in our own house if we're highly strung, where teenagers are there, say that's why they're linked over towards that type of thing. Maybe they're going through a situation, it's always arguing, it's always this. Things are bound to happen because there's a negative state putting being put in there. Absolutely. It kind of builds up energy, psychic energy, I want to say. And um, yeah. it comes back to then, you know, this sort of really weird belief that uh, poltergeists are, called by, are caused by teenagers. It's not just caused by teenagers, it's no. caused by... The situation itself, it can be built, I'd say, kind of a fluctuation in the consciousness and the environment, and you get that activity. But maybe that's another podcast talking about. Uh, yes, of course. So, but uh, it's been a fantastic episode. I really enjoy talking about these very different questions. Yeah, likewise, and it just shows there's a lot of interest in wanting to know not necessarily how mediumship works, but how spirit is, you know, how we how things interact on a paranormal level as well as a mediumistic, a psychic level, and how, you know, just the whole ish bang. And I, I find that fascinating that people are not close to it. Uh, it needs to be open more, doesn't it, Martin, I think? Absolutely, absolutely. If you are listening and you would like a podcast on dreams, uh, negative energy, or anything else then please do drop us uh, an email. Uh, be very happy to oblige. Uh, Ian is uh, also a psychic artist, an aura artist, as well as uh, a psychic artist. So that would be a good thing to do in the future as well. So, so yeah, thank you very much, Ian, again. It's, just, uh, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Yeah, likewise, Martin. I, you know, we're talking to you, talking to yourself. I'm fascinated because we have the similar take on some things, a variety on others. As you were talking about negative, uh, dynamic and all that type of thing, then I just find it fascinating looking at some other point of view and thinking, oh, and I uh, never looked at it that way. So it's always nice to talk to you also, Martin, because I learn so much. And I think you've got to be open to other people's thoughts because otherwise we just get fettered, don't we, by it's got to be A to B on a very narrow beam instead of a broad beam. And we need to uh, open up and be listening. So uh, in Martin's sentiments, if you've got any questions or any what future podcasts can be of, then please get in touch. Thank you very much again, Ian. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, this has been Accenture 2's Mediums in Action podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.